For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Seven seasons, the Oregon Ducks. I've been screwing over their fans. Welcome, everybody, to Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network, along with Ryan Leaf. My name is Jonathan Rifkind. A little bit melancholic to be with you on a Tuesday. No matter where you're listening or how you're listening, please rate, review, and subscribe across all listening platforms. Seven seasons. Oregon has had a disappointing game. Consecutive seasons in 2013 and 2014. They lost to Arizona. In 2015, they lost to TCU in the Alamo Bowl, 47-41 when they blew a 31-0 lead. The following year, they lose to Oregon State, then UCLA. In 2018, it's Arizona, and in 2019, it is Arizona State. 0-9 in the state of Arizona for the Oregon Ducks over the last nine matchups. When will the misery end, Ryan Leaf? When? Well, you're going to have to wait till next year to find out if it does, <laughs> because the misery is a uh, full full blast right now and you know I said it the Pac-12 just can't have nice things and they don't know what to do with it they just they do, they go to a place where a team has lost four consecutive games they hadn't had a lead Arizona State hadn't had a lead since October 12th and they just got outplayed from the beginning it's like they didn't get off the bus now I don't know if they were looking ahead there was nothing to look ahead in terms of the Civil War or that they were looking ahead towards the Pac-12 championship. I don't know, but the press clippings were starting to get red. They do not have a deep threat. And when you don't have a deep threat on offense, DBs are able to sit and wait for you to throw the football. And sure enough, Justin Herbert made some poor decisions, and those defensive backs made big plays there in the second half, turned the football over, and then Jaden Daniels looked like the first pick in the draft, not Justin Herbert. Yeah, Jaden Daniels outplayed Herbert in this game, 408. For three touchdowns on 22 of 32 completions versus attempts. Herbert, 20 for 36, 304. Two touchdowns and two interceptions. A 45 quarterback rating. A season low for Mr. Herbert. So what does this do for the outlook of Justin Herbert? We're at the end of the season. Oregon State's next bowl game or Pac-12 championship bowl game. What does he have to do throughout the final three games of this season 
to finally put the naysayers to rest because he just gave them a whole lot of ammo. Yeah, nothing. He, he's he's fine. The, the the problem is the team's not going to win uh, and not go to the the conference or not go to the college football playoff. That's the problem in all this. Justin Herbert's going to be fine. Justin Herbert's going to be the second pick off the board probably to Joe Burrow. Uh, might they might go one and two to be honest with you. So it's not going to dampen his his draft. Um, status, any of that, what it's going to do is it's going to diminish the legacy by coming back and deciding to play this senior year instead of going to the pros and winning a conference championship, which they still can do. They're just not going to be able to play for the college football playoff national championship. That's the problem. Uh, that's not going to be able to get done. Now, if they didn't decide to play Auburn in week one and played like San Jose State, uh, they would be a one-loss team. Every bit in the conversation for the national championship was one slip-up, just like Georgia. Just like Clemson, almost you know, almost getting beat by North Carolina, they'd be right in the mix in this conversation. Just like Oklahoma slip into Kansas State, they'd be right there. But now, since they have two losses, they're not going to get in. And it probably diminishes the Pac-12's chance, to be honest with you, because not having uh, two one-loss teams in that conference championship, even though Utah has done everything they can to put themselves in the conversation uh, for belonging, they needed Oregon to be a one-loss team to make that a top-10 win. And with the AP... Going forward and moving Oregon to 14, I wouldn't be surprised if the college football playoff moves them down significantly. I have them at 11. That's still a not, not a top 10 win. This opens the door for Oklahoma. This opens the door for Baylor. And this opens the door, I believe, for Alabama. And I had that door shut for Alabama. And I really felt like the committee did a favor to Utah by placing USC there. And USC followed it up with a huge win this weekend over their crosstown rival. Uh, Utah's loss is not going to look as bad. I still believe wholeheartedly from what I've seen from that Utah team over the last six or seven weeks since that loss to USC that they are one of the top four teams in the country. They dominate. Uh, It is completely an eye test. They do not have the resume. They don't. It is an eye test. It's the defensive dominance. It's the offensive efficiency. I believe if they played LSU in, in round one that they would give them a heck of a football game. In fact, I think they would win that football game and play Clemson for the national championship. So that's where I believe it's going to go. We'll see what the committee does, but by Oregon losing, it really, really opened the door for those other teams that were sitting behind a Pac-12 team like Oklahoma, Baylor, and I always felt Alabama was going to be a team ultimately behind them at some point to, uh, you know, to creep back into it. And uh, for your sake and for a lot of Oregon Ducks fans out there, it's just another example of, you know, why not? Why can't we have those nice things that we talked about? The Pac-12 may have had its last breath of hope taken away for the college football playoff, but if Utah is as good as you say they are based on the ITS, ba- test, based on defensive dominance, based on the fact that their style points are now off the chart, winning 35-7 on the road in Arizona, would that be enough if Oregon is you know, ranked 12 to 15 in the college football playoff committee's eyes when they play in the Pac-12 championship, would that be enough for a one-loss Utah to beat Oregon and still get the nod in the, in the college football playoff? It's going to be hard. It really is. It's going to have to be a complete eye test. The fact that they've been ranked so high since the college football ranking started coming out, that's a positive. And Baylor and Oklahoma have been so far down the line. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Oklahoma makes a better bit of jump. I bet you Baylor makes a better jump with the dominance of Texas this weekend, you know though they're going to have to be behind Oklahoma most likely. And that's not necessarily true. You watched Penn State leapfrog Minnesota last week. If they believe Baylor's wins over, let's say, Texas is much more impressive than the Oklahoma win over Texas, 
Maybe they jump it. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But it, the fact they've been so far down the rankings for me makes me still think that Utah has a better shot. The only problem is is that Oklahoma and Baylor are going to play top 25 opponents, right? They're going to play each other. Oklahoma's going to play Oklahoma State this weekend in Bedlam. That's a top 25 opponent. If they have wins over them and a win over Baylor in the in the Big 12 championship, that's going to be a bunch of top 25 wins, and that will thrust them into the conversation. Now, the committee hasn't considered the Big 12 very great. They haven't given a lot of credit to the Big 12 either, but they've said Utah and Oregon – were the top two teams and have been in that those rankings for a long, long time. Utah won't shift from that. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah is six this week. Now, now the question is, where is Oklahoma? I don't know. In our eyes, is a one-loss Baylor team in a revenge game against Oklahoma when it's all said and done as Big Twelve champ? Does that give Utah a better chance because the resume was so bad? Utah doesn't have a resume to stand on either. I mean, this is going to be a crapshoot, and I think there's a bunch of teams when this season's over that the committee's going to have to look at and go, you know, there's five, six, seven teams that could, could honestly compete for a national championship. And two or three of them are not going to get a chance to. If the Utah Utes are left out in at five or six when it's all said and done, and they're left out of the opportunity to, to play for a national championship, that's going to be a shame because they're capable of winning one. They are. Defensively, offensively, altogether, they're capable of winning one. Now, I'm not going to frown too much if they get to go to the Rose Bowl for the first time ever in their history, and play a team, let's say, like Minnesota, who hasn't been there since 1962, 57 years, that game for me would be epic. I'd love that matchup. In fact, I'd probably love that matchup over, um, you know, maybe a Clem- maybe a you know LSU-Oregon you know, or, or LSU, let's say, Utah game in that instance. You know, I think it would be really, really fun. I want them to get their just due, though. I want Utah to be able to play for a national championship because I think they deserved it. You brought up the USC win earlier, 52-35 over UCLA in the Coliseum. Everybody talks about Keaton Slovis as the second coming here for USC. 37 for 47, 515 yards, four touchdowns. Now the contingency on all those stats is that UCLA of the 130 FPS teams is ranked 129 in pass defense. So do we sit here and we say, okay, so USC ends the season strong. They beat UCLA. They'll get a, a, a decent, probably down in San Diego, Holiday Bowl, up north, Red Box Bowl, Vegas Bowl, Alamo Bowl, somewhere in those range, in that range. Does Keaton Slovis hold the keys to the future for USC, or was this performance to end the season more about how bad UCLA's pass defense is? Well, it depends on a lot of things. I mean, you still got to go out and do it. I mean, he's got wide receivers. Four of them had 100-yard games this week. So, you know, those types of things – play into it he's been really really good as a freshman you know JT Daniels was really really good late in the year last year until he got hurt you know what are they going to do there also the question is what are they going to do with Clay Hilton right did he save his job you know they can't do anything right now because they could still win the south so they can't fire him this week they got to let it all play out they're gonna have a big old watch party on Saturday to see if Utah can get upset and then all of a sudden USC is the south champion and goes and plays Oregon up in Santa Clara what if they beat Oregon and they're the Pac-12 champion. Can you fire your head coach being 9-4 and four in a Pac-12 championship going to the Rose Bowl? You, I don't know if you can fire him. I don't him, think you can. Right? Yeah. But they're probably going to need to. That's the problem here. Now, I don't think any of that's going to play out. I think Utah handles uh, Colorado uh, easily, 28-point favorites. I think they probably cover even, uh, which is amazing to think. Um, and I think right after that game's over, I think that USC – uh, the brass at USC come to Clay Helton and, and say, you know, you've 
you've done an unbelievable job. It's this is this is about this is about me, not you. And and then hand him his pink slip, and off they go. I do think it's been his best coaching performance uh, in his career with the, all the injuries. Now, when you talked about Keaton Slovis in that conversation, what does that mean? Who knows? You know, if they bring in a guy like Urban Meyer, or they bring in, let's say, Mike Norvell, or who knows who they bring in to coach, it's doubtful that Graham Harrell's going to be be kept around. And if that's the case, what do you do with Keaton Slovis? What do you do with JT Daniels? What do you do with the quarterback position that is brought in to run the air raid offense? I could see maybe Graham Harrell sticking around, let's say, if Urban Meyer got the job, because Urban's more of a special teams guy, and he always has hired coordinators to run those offense and defense, so maybe that may be similar. But it's also not necessarily what Urban Meyer's offenses have looked like over his time, right? He's had uh, dual-threat guys in Alex Smith. He's had a dual-threat guy in uh, Tim Tebow. And in in particular, uh, his only drop-back passing year was really last year in Dwayne Haskins. That's the only time. And they were very successful, of course. We'll see how it all plays out. But I'm not ready to, like, you know – say anybody's the second coming because we have no idea at all with what's going the the situation at USC is so fluid right now we have no idea what next year is going to look like we need a uh, a solid blueprint and now that they have an AD in place he's going to have to do that USC again won the crosstown bouts against UCLA 52 to 35 Slovis MVP MVP of that performance how about Drake London freshman eight for 142 one touchdown that guy's going to be really good uh, and and even losing Micah Pittman Jr., Michael Pittman Jr. excuse me who is a, a semifinalist for the Blinktoff uh, award he will be um he'll be missed but Drake London's going to step into that role very very well in the future for the Trojans what's wrong with Washington well I think we've been saying this all year long they just since that playoff run uh four years ago where they threw uh, then Pac-12 record 43 touchdown passes by Jake Browning. The offense has shifted. They've become anemic. Their defenses have always been good. This year, the difference is offense hasn't changed. They've been the same type of offense they've been the last three years. What's changed is the defense. The defense isn't very, very, isn't very good, right? Jimmy Lake has a different type. You thought when the season started, you know, he, they'll be able to replace the nine guys they lost. Not so easy. You know, they made it look easy before, this time more difficult. This conference has been very middle of the road, down the line. Uh, a lot of 6-6, six and 5-6, six, 7-5 and six, seven and five type of uh, teams when it's all said and done. And, and guess what? Washington's one of them, you know. Losses to, let's say, Stanford, Cal, and Colorado, inexplicable for this football team. I understand the loss to Utah and to Oregon. Those are probably the two best teams in the conference. But for the longest time, then we were able to go, you know, what's Oregon and Utah's best wins this year? Well, you probably say Washington. Now you can't. It's like saying Texas is your best win. You know, they're they're exactly the same. They're gonna they're gonna be a six and six or seven and five team. As is Washington. They have to beat their cross state rival in the rivalry game just to get to six or, or to get to seven wins. So, um, you know, for me, it's been that. Also, you know, Jacob Eason has just underproduced. I mean, he has looked average out there. His physical stature is un, unmatched by anybody. His ability to throw the football, you know, 100 yards down the football field, no one else can do. But he continues to vacate the pocket when pressured at all. He spins out of there. He does not step up and, and make throws down the football field, and they have not generated points. I mean, defensively, they held a team that's 
been pretty good offensively. Guys like LaVisca Chanel to, to 20 points on the road. That should be good enough in this conference. But their inability to score points is the problem. And Chris Peterson has got to take an honest look in the mirror because if they can't score points, they can't produce in this conference. And that's never been an issue when you ta- think about Chris Peterson. You think about like doing amazing things offensively with the football, and they just haven't done it since Jake Browning's sophomore year when they went to the college football playoff. Washington loses on the road to Colorado and a Steven Montez-led team 20-14. to I want to go over to this Washington State-Oregon State game. This may have been the most exciting game of the slate of Pac-12 games. I know Oregon's 31-28 loss was exciting towards the end. You give up an 84-yard touchdown, it gets a little bit less exciting uh, when you eventually lose the game. But this game was very different. Anthony Gordon, 50 for 70, 606 yards six touchdowns, leads the game-winning drive. Earlier in the week, Max Borgie came out and said, we are going to beat this team, and he was the one who ran it in for the touchdown. They could not get the two-point conversion, but they still hold on to win the game. Neither of these teams are really going anywhere this season. The season's a wash, but in terms of excitement, in terms of personal stats, in terms of trying to end the season strong, this was a heck of a game. No, this was going to be the best game of the week. It was. It was worth the most. It was who was going to get bowl eligible because neither of us uh, or most people think that either one of these teams can win their rivalry games. Now, that may have shifted and changed because now I really think that uh, Oregon State has a chance because I don't know how I don't know what Oregon's going to do, how they're going to come out. They're already in the Pac-12 championship. They're not going to the college football playoff. So what do they care, you know? Oregon State has everything to play for in terms of getting bowl eligible, and they played their hearts out on Saturday night. I think there was a lot going into that football game. Washington State wanted to get bowl eligible. They they honored Tyler Holinsky, who would have been in that senior class on Saturday night. And both Anthony Gordon and, and Jihad Woods after the game said, you know, I really think Tyler had something to say in this football game and how it played out. And I, w- I would thoroughly agree. Um, you know, down with about a minute 14 to go, Oregon State decides to go for it on fourth down. And I think it was the right choice. Fourth and four, going in. Uh, they could close the game out. Washington State had no more timeouts. They don't get it done. They throw an incomplete pass. Washington State then proceeds to go all the way down the field uh, like both teams did against their own against their oppos- uh, opposition defense all night long. There's a reason there was 107 points scored in this football game. They get it, uh, a defensive pass interference. Ball's placed at the two, and then the decision has to be made. Four minutes to go or four seconds to go. What do they do? You know, Oregon State flatly came out and played straight pass defense. They showed a light box, and the question is, is Mike Leach and Anthony Gordon in particular, is he willing to check to a run where if he gets stopped, game's over? Well, most likely if they throw the football, game's over anyway. So it's the final play. Really impressed with that offensive line, turning into a road grader, just moving defensive players out of the way. Max Borgie scores, uh, very fitting after giving his prediction early in the week. And Washington State is able to win that football game. An interesting point to your two-point conversion thing, they didn't even attempt one. He took the ball and took a knee because they didn't want to give a chance of a ball being intercepted, a kick being blocked, anything that had happened. Took the knee. Uh, they end up winning the football game by one point. Really impressive fortitude by Washington State. Five consecutive years going to a bowl game. Frustrated for an alumni such as myself because I'm too close and emotionally attached to it that I you know, you watched Anthony Gordon break the Pac-12 record in touchdowns, break the Pac-12 record in passing yards in this football game, yet the team is still 6-5. and five. But what they do have ahead of them this week is they have an opportunity to get to 7-5 and five and beat their cross-state uh, cross rival who they haven't won 
in the last six years. For Oregon State, very commendable. I think Jonathan Smith, because of the Oregon loss, jumps up a notch into the conversation for Coach of the Year, depending on what Kyle Whittingham does the rest of the way. It would be so Pac-12, though, for Utah and Oregon to play in the Pac-12 championship and Oregon to win. Uh, Oregon would get the chance to go to the Rose Bowl, but again and again, uh, the Pac-12 would be left out completely because they're not going to allow a, a two-loss team, uh, and especially a, a two-loss Pac-12 team, into the conversation. So we'll see how it all plays out. Oregon State really impressed with, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're the middle of the road of the power rankings for me. Utah stays at the at the top. Uh, Oregon stays at number two because it's just, you know, it's an inexplicable loss, but they're still the second-best team in the conference. USC after the year that they struggled, you know, leapfrog and get to number three, Arizona State at number four, Washington State at five, Colorado, unbelievably, for a large part of the year was at the very bottom of my rankings. And now, after their fifth win, they, they get a chance to get bowl eligible if they upset Utah. Uh, it would be, you know, Pac-12 Conference of Cannibalism at its finest if that were to happen. Seven is Cal. UW drops all the way from three to eight. They just simply don't deserve uh, any recognition for what they've accomplished this season. Oregon State at 9, UCLA at 10, Stanford at 11, and Arizona uh, looking at 4-8 and eight right in the mouth with Arizona State in the Territorial Cup this weekend. Don't forget Stanford staring at 4-8 and eight with Notre Dame coming up as well. We'll talk about that on Thursday. Uh, but Stanford, for the first time in a decade, drops a game against Cal, giving the Golden Bears the axe for the first time, as I said, in a decade. Chase Garber is able to come in, lead Cal to bowl eligibility to the win against Stanford, 24-20. to You and I talked about this would be a very low-scoring game. Um, I'm kind of surprised it ended up being a 44-point uh, total. But nonetheless, 6-5 and five for the Golden Bears. They've had a crazy up-and-down season with the injuries, the crazy win um, that ended at 1.30 in the morning at Washington, the Ole Miss win, and then uh, some bad losses as well. This is the final game that we have to talk about. What was your takeaway now for a bowl-eligible Cal Bears football team? I will say that uh, Chase Garber's injury was the single most important injury uh, for a team, uh, maybe outside of Tuscaloosa. It really has. The team was undefeated, ranked in the top 25 on a Friday night, leading against Arizona State. And since then, in the Chase Garber's uh, injury. They have been a team that has been so up and down because of it. I've never seen a single player have that much of an effect offensively when he comes out of the football game as Chase Garbers has had with that football team. He's back. He plays well enough against Stanford. He scores a big touchdown at the end of the game, the winning touchdown. And you're right, they get the axe back at Stanford. Uh, couldn't be prouder of, of, of him, of Justin Wilcox and that staff. Uh, now they get UCLA and they could really put UCLA's season in a, in a Cold storage as well uh, at four and seven, uh, or sorry, four and eight themselves. Um, and uh, Cal at seven and five with the injury to Chase Garbers this year, I would take that as a, a giant win, um, propelling them towards the future. Garbers back next year if he can stay healthy. They're going to lose a lot defensively, but Justin Wilcox knows how to do that. So I thought it was a huge win. They have a bigger opportunity this week against UCLA to really put a, an exclamation point on the season. Uh, but, you know, then you got to talk about David Shaw and that team, right? I, I talked to John. Uh, I talked to uh, Todd Husek this week. He was a former quarterback at Stanford. Now their color guy on their radio, and he said something really interesting to me uh, about Davis Mills and KJ Costello. Um, he thinks that KJ Costello could grad transfer and be out of that program this year. 
he was the number two quarterback in the league last year. He beat out Justin Herbert. In fact, they had the debate before the season started. Who's going to be better, Justin Herbert or, or K.J. Costello? And now, at no fault of his own, all injuries, this young man, Davis Mills, is going to be the guy that replaces him? I, I, I was shocked when I heard that. Um, Davis Mills throws two interceptions in this football game, loses the ax for the first time in a decade, like you said. I don't know how that guy is the guy next year. If K.J. Costello wants to come back for his fifth year, which I think he should, I believe he should be the guy. But there are rumblings going on around there from people high up that that's not the case, that Davis Mills is the guy moving forward, and K.J. Costello is either going to have to sit and be the backup or find another place to play, which I think is unbelievable. We'll see how that all goes. Um, Huge win for Cal, like I said before. Um, Great weekend for for the Pac-12 Conference in terms of competition. Terrible for the Pac-12 in terms of college football playoff rankings. Utah should not be penalized because another team performed poorly when they've been performing um, better than anybody else has. But it has happened. Oregon and the Pac-12 took a huge hit this weekend and has opened the door for teams like Oklahoma, Baylor, and Alabama now to be in the discussion. We'll see what the college football playoff rankings do tonight with Utah. Do they make a step up? Do they get to six? Do they get to five? We'll see where Alabama is. Um, excited to see how it plays out. I think Utah belongs. Um, we'll see what the what this week has to hold. We'll get all of that coverage on our Thanksgiving special edition on Thursday. Really quickly, final point I want to discuss here with you, Ryan. Seven Pac-12 teams now bowl eligible. Two more with the possibility in Colorado uh, and Oregon State. Is seven still more than what we anticipated come or what you anticipated coming into the season and is that a positive thing for the conference to get as many teams as bowl eligible as possible or does it give a case to say well this te- this this conference is conducive to these teams getting bowl eligible because uh, from top to bottom it's been somewhat mediocre well I don't I wouldn't say it's mediocre I'd say it's very competitive and the fact that they play nine conference games makes it even more difficult to get seven teams bowl eligible two years ago they had nine teams bowl eligible so um they're every bit uh, as good as any other conference out there and the fact that they have to play that ninth uh data point in comparison to the acc and sec that we're talking about six different wins right we're talking about teams you could have honestly could have had 12 teams eligible uh bowl eligible this year if they you know if they decide to play with the western carolinas and the samfords in week 13 right uh it just doesn't happen that way so if we were to have seven teams bowl eligible, uh, what do we have right now? Seven? Seven. If we had nine teams bowl eligible when this is all said and done, it would be terrible for the conference because that means Colorado wins. Um, <laughs> but uh, if that were the case, I mean, that's very telling. I mean, you talk about UCLA, Arizona, and Stanford not being bowl eligible this year, and that would be it. Uh, I think that's saying this conference is very competitive uh, from top to bottom. And uh, it's something to be reckoned with. It just would be a shame if, if uh, for the third consecutive year that the conference is not represented in the college football playoff when it kicks off. Rankings come out tonight. We'll discuss them on our Thursday edition. And we'll also discuss the Friday game and the following Saturday games for a busy week 14 of Pac-12 football. We will also have a special guest on Thanksgiving Day for you. But until then, for Ryan Leaf, my name is Jonathan Rifkin signing off. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Please rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Believe in the Pac-12 on the Believe Podcast Network.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.